0: And when we started singing that um, Holy Night song, Jesus walked in the room. I don't know if you felt it, but I was like, I, I can't stand anymore. <laughs> so, man, beautiful. So good. So good. Well, this is my uh, favorite time of the year as well. I love Christmas. But, you know, I've got an announcement that I want to let you know about that I was working on um, for a while. We remember Prophet Esther who came. In January last year, well, she's usually booked up for a couple of years. It's difficult to get in on her schedule. And um, they let us know that, um, that she was going to be in San Diego. She wanted to come with a family trip, and she was only going to do maybe one church, and that was going to be the one in Temecula, uh, Temecula their, their larger building. And she asked if we'd come up and support. And I said, Of course, you know, i let our congregation know. Um, I said, she said, she really wants you to be there. And I said, she's been such a huge impact on our ministry, I wouldn't miss it. I'm definitely coming and I'm going to let everybody know because uh, she's meant so much to me. And um, the, the lady I communicate with said, well, you know, what, I'm going to let her know. And a few days later, she said, you know, she really feels the same. She really feels a special connection with you and with the Promise uh, tribe. And so she's going to pray about seeing if she can, what she can do with their schedule. And uh, it was about two weeks later, she called, and she is coming on Sunday, January 14th, for both a morning and the evening service to the Promise Church. Yes. So if you don't know who she is, we'll make uh, announcements closer to the time. But last time, there was only the people standing that's how full the services were. Uh, she's an incredible prophet of God, and so she is coming out. So put that in your calendars, January 14th. You don't want to miss it. Sunday morning, Sunday night, all right? It's good news, right? <clears throat> well, this is, this is definitely my favorite time of the year. I love it. I love all the trees. I love, I love the lights. I love the songs. And I particularly love that it's a whole month of people celebrating Jesus, even if they don't like him. Do you know that's what the Christmas means? The, it's an old English compound word that means Christ mass. Mass was a symbol. Uh, it was an annual worship festival celebrating Christ's birth. So when you say Christmas, you're saying happy celebration of Christ. So when you say Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, Happy Celebration of Christ. And people all over the world say it. Even when they don't like him. <laughs> or refuse to acknowledge he lives or that he ever lived and then they say Merry Christmas I'm like yes it is (laughs) say it again louder for the people in the back this is why the enemy doesn't want us saying it why do you think there's happy holidays if I catch a Christian saying happy holidays woo, you're in for trouble (laughs) don't confine to what the enemy says fight back against it understand where he's coming from he doesn't want people saying happy celebration of Christ Every time somebody says happy holidays, I'm like, Merry Christmas. You can say it to me, you won't get fired because I said it first. Go ahead. Say it back. Ah, oh, come on. Love you guys. You, you know, it's not the exact time Christ was born. Nobody knows exactly. People guesstimate that it was probably around end of September, October time. But you know, it's not really the point. The point is that we take a day to celebrate him All around the world. And everybody acknowledges that this is a day that changed history. Because this is a day where God gave the best gift anyone has ever given. He gave himself in the flesh. God came down in the flesh. And he said, do you want to know what I'm like? Do you want to know your creator? Do Do you wonder what his personality is like? Do you wonder if he would like this or dislike that? He says, now you can know. You can get to look at Jesus. You don't have to wonder. People go, I wonder what God is like. Or they try and describe him or make him up in their own mind. All you have to do is read the Gospels. He's in there. All of his personality, when he got angry, when he was sad, it's all in there. And then he does the unthinkable. He dies in our place. Like it wasn't a gift enough just to know who he is and that he's an awesome God and that he loves us beyond imagination he then dies in our place for every sin for every shame that you've ever taken he dies in your and my place an excruciating death to say look how much I love you I want you back if God never does a single thing for you ever again if you never get that promotion if you never get married if you never get healed this side of heaven what he did was enough. What he gave was enough. What he gave was enough for us to be thankful all the way into eternity. If he never does another thing for you, he did enough. Can someone give some praise to Jesus in the room? This is why we celebrate. But, you know, I bet the first Christmas wasn't so full of wonder and awe and lights and uh, marvelous time as it is now the first Christmas was a little different so we're going to look at that story today as we look at the Christmas gift we're going to start by reading Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 this is how Jesus the Messiah was born his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph but before the marriage took place while she was still a virgin she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his, peace, his people from their sins. <clears throat> Those days, as you probably know, if you were pregnant outside a wedlock, um, you could be stoned to death. So frowned upon <laughs> then. Tad. <clears throat> but Joseph loves her. He wants to protect her. He's engaged, but engagement is serious back then. I mean, it's almost like you're already married. So he was like, look, I'll go through the formality, and then I'll just divorce her quietly. So he, he wants to run from this, okay? This is not the gift he was expecting when he asked her to get married. This isn't the gift. This is not what I signed up for. And, you know, that's oftentimes what happens when God gives you a gift. You might want to run from it. Because God's gifts don't always come packaged in what you think they should be. They usually come wrapped up in problems, stress, issues, disappointments. And you're like, ah, this is the gift? This is what you're giving me, God? I, I don't know if I really want this. And oftentimes the gift can be so difficult to distinguish if it is a gift from God or if it's the devil trying to make your life hell. Because if you're honest, they can look quite the same. See, our propensity is to oftentimes run from what God shows us, what God gives you, the word he gives you, the vision he gives you, the the thought about your future, the things he's showing you. You're going to maybe want to run because when you look at it, you're like, ah, that's going to be a lot like, that's going to be a lot of work, God. That's going to be, I don't know how I'm going to cope with all that. That's going to be challenging, God. I don't know if I'm cut out for that. Joseph knew what it meant to accept this gift. Uh He knew what it meant. Possibly people looking at them with, you know, talking about them behind their back, the gossips, the eyes looking at him, wondering. His family name possibly being tarnished. He's suddenly a dad. I don't even know if I have the finances for this. What do you mean I got to be a dad right now? We were going to travel the world for a while, you know, or at least a couple of miles, God. But, you know, I'm not so sure if I'm ready for all this. What do you mean a baby? I don't think he was so happy-go-lucky about it, to be honest. From everything you see, he seems pretty worried. He's worried for himself. He's worried for her. He's worried for his family name. He's worried. Some gifts God gives you, they're going to make you worry before they bless you. Uh The gift God gives you, worry you before they bless you. Many times if you look at your life. And honestly, you can't even tell half the time that it was a gift from God until you look back at your life. You can't tell what was a gift until you get to the end of the year and you look back and you see it and you're like, ah, that was a gift. That was a gift that I got fired from that job because now I opened up my own business and look how successful it is. Oh, that was a gift that that person rejected me because now I've met this person who God has sent me. Oh, that was, that was God. That was a gift. What happened? But you can't always tell in the moment, in the moment you actually don't feel very gifted when you're getting betrayed, when you're getting let down, When you're getting rejected for the fifth time, you don't feel so gifted. It's not until you look back at your life, look back at your year, and go, I see it, God. I see that was a gift all along. Because God has your best interest at heart. Beyond what you could possibly think or imagine for your life, God's got better. He wants better. Better than you want for yourself, he wants for you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. You don't even know. My brother might. He's He's bold for all my online family. He cares more about you than you care about you. The angel says to him, fear not. He shows up and he says to him, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. A lot of times when the Lord does speak to you or show you something, whether it's about your business, whether it's about your family, or whether it's just about your life, a lot of times what happens is fear comes in because you look through the eyes of your humanity. And your humanity says, how am I gonna do this? There's no way, how am I gonna afford this? How am I gonna come up with enough money to do this? God, there's just no way. Have you, what you're asking me to do, where am I even gonna find the time? Have you seen my life, God? Where do you want me to fit this in now? And so you start to become overwhelmed with the thoughts, what God's showing you about your future. You know, and this is what's funny, because people are like, I wish God would show me the plan for my life, sweetie, please. You can barely handle finding what's what's coming out next week. Never mind what's for your life. If God had to show you your life, you would just faint right now and be like, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm just going to stay here. Because it's overwhelming. It'd be too much. If you just look back at your life right now and seen everything you've gone through, half of you would been like, good thing I didn't know about that what was coming. Right? Good thing he didn't tell me that. You're like, tell me everything, God. He's like, "Mm, I'm going to just keep that one to myself cuz you're going to faint if you if i showed it to you, right? So trust that he knows how much to give and how much to show when he does. Cuz when you start to look at what God's got for you, oftentimes the weight of the assignment that he's got for you can wear you down. You start to feel In your humanity, how am I going to do this? And that's, of course, the wrong way because we're supposed to be looking through the eyes of the Spirit. We're supposed to be seeing it through God's eyes. But what we do is we see it through our humanity and we let fear get inside of us. And the thing is, if you don't take control of those fearful thoughts, it will paralyze you from moving forward. Because your fear is empowered by your focus. What are you focusing on? Just like your faith is powered by your focus, so is your fear. I'm not talking about what you're seeing right here in the natural. I'm talking about your your focus. What are you thinking about all day long? What are you pondering? What are you allowing your imagination just to replay over and over and over and over again? Is it the possible failure? Is it the what could go wrong? Is it the disappointment? Is it the sadness? Is it the I wish I would have or I wish I could or how do I? Is it this constant replay of fear and negativity instead of what God's got for you? Can you look at an obstacle and see an opportunity? Can you look at defeat and see deliverance? Where is your focus? Can you look at the shortage and see supply? See, because fear will make you give up on something that was meant to bless you. God has to speak to Joseph in a dream because he's about to give up on something that's not only meant to bless him, it's meant to save him. But he wants to run. He wants to leave. I can't. I can't handle this. And God is like, I need to speak to this guy in his dreams, first of all, because he's so filled with worry in the day, he can't hear me. See, you think God's not talking to you. No, he's talking all the time. Your mind just won't shut up. You just keep replaying the worst. God can't get a word in wise. So he has to come to him in a dream and say, please, a moment of silence. I can get a word in here. (laughs) He has to speak to him in his dream because he's about to make a huge mistake. He's about to run from the thing that's going to bless him, that's going to save him. And a lot of times in your life, what you are afraid of, the fear that you're seeing, I don't know if I can stay in this. I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I'm cut out for this business. I don't know. You're about to run from the very thing God's trying to bless you with. But if it doesn't require he's holding his hand, then it's not faith. If you could get where you're going by yourself, then you don't need him. He wants you to need him. Because that's a relationship, just like you want to be needed in your relationship. God wants to be needed in your relationship. He wants to know, do you want to hold my hand? Because what I've got for you is leaps and bounds ahead of what you want for you. And I'm going to get you there. Supernaturally, I'm going to get you there. And this is what God will do. He'll give you, sometimes he'll talk to you in your dreams. Ideally, we want to learn to be quiet enough where he can speak to us in the daytime as well. But he does speak in dreams and visions. And I I love getting dreams from the Lord. Every night before I go to sleep, I put my head in the pillow. I say, Lord, speak to me. Give me a dream, Lord, speak to me. But you don't want the dreams to be the only way God can give you direction. You understand? You want to learn to quiet yourself, to listen to him so he can lead you and guide you. Let's look at this Christmas gift from Mary's perspective now. We pick up the story with Mary, and she is in her final trimester, the final probably weeks of her pregnancy, okay? And then they say, you've got to go to Bethlehem and you've got to go and, you know, get registered and everything. Now it's 90 miles, 90 miles in a car, hour and a half, no problem. 90 miles on a donkey, six days six days I don't know if you've ever been around anybody that's pregnant at their last few weeks the cramping the uncomfortableness the weight the having to go tinkle every five minutes and now you put them on a donkey for six days oh Lord do I feel for Joseph oh yeah I mean, you, you know, don't come on. Like, come on now. Let's just be honest, right? I mean, we feel for Mary, but Joseph, she'd have been like, how, how far? How, how many more days, Joseph? Why did you get a camel? Why didn't you get me a camel? What's a donkey that takes so long? You know, you can just imagine. She's like, stop again. I got to get off. I got to go. to the, Get me back on. I mean, you can't even imagine. Like, I don't even want to think about what those six days were like for Joseph, okay? I bet Mary, through the uncomfortableness and the cramping and the need to get down and get up to go to the bathroom, there's no toilets around, where am I going to go, all this weight that she's carrying, she's not feeling very highly favored at this moment. She's not feeling very gifted of God, is she? She's like, really? Lord, you couldn't have arranged for them to do this later time? Like after the baby was born? You couldn't have ranged like, I don't know, like a chariot for me that I could sit comfortably in the back. This is what happens. God gives you a gift. He gives you a word. He gives you a vision. But then he expects you to carry that word. You have to carry the word. You have to nurture it. You have to grow it. You have to feed it. And you Have to birth it. God isn't going to do everything for you. He's going to give you the word, the vision, the dream, and he's going to say, off you go. And there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be bumpy roads. There's going to be things where you're thinking, are you even still with me? What's happened, God? Where are you, God? This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Because when God gives you this, you have to live out day to day the mundane. People think that when God gives them <clears throat> a vision, a gift, something for their future, something for their tomorrow, that every day is just gonna be like P3. You know? It's just gonna be, oh, I'm just gonna wake up, I'm just gonna be in God's presence for hours. We're just gonna worship and praise, and then I'm gonna go out on my day, and then the traffic is just gonna part from me. Remember that movie, Bruce Almighty, when he gets the powers and and he goes, and the traffic parts? I think that's what people think. I'm just so gifted. Traffic's going to part. I'm just going to get the best parking spot. Everything's going to line up. Money from heaven is just going to fill my bank account for the vision. This is what people think. Seriously. You just think it's going to be easy. It's just going to be like, oh, it's just going to all appear. What you don't understand is that what you have to do day to day looks a lot like work. It is, and you have to solve all the problems, and you have to come up with solutions, and ideas, and be creative, and talk to other people, and get wisdom, godly wisdom, normal, like business wisdom, whatever you got to do. There's the mundane, there's the part that God expects you to do. He is working with you 100%, but there's a part that he expects you to do. I mean, I feel for Mary, like six days on the donkey, and then she gets to Bethlehem, and then there's no hotel room. God help, Joseph. No hotel room? Don't they know I'm carrying the son of God? God, don't you know I'm carrying your son? Seriously? No hotel room? That's how we feel sometimes. What do you mean, God? If you've given me this vision, it should have been a little bit easier. Like, come on, my business is literally going down since you told me I was going to be a success. People are literally leaving me by the hundreds since you told me I was going to have influence. Like, God, what is going on? Are you even still there? Hello? Awfully quiet, God. See, because after God gives you an instruction He doesn't actually have to repeat himself about that topic again. He tells you, go to Bible college. You're in, you're like, "Mm, I don't know, should I do second year? Lord, I just need a little encouragement. Am I supposed to sign? Am I supposed to go back? He's silent. You're like, oh, see, he was quiet because he already told you what to do the first time. He hasn't changed his mind. God gives you a plan, start that business, do this, get in this, stick out. And you're like, God, this 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 is not looking like it should do. Because you're looking for outside circumstances to confirm the word of God. You're waiting for your circumstances to tell you that what you heard was God. And that's never going to happen. You have to trust that what God told you, the word you're holding on to, is from God. And God will see it through regardless of what your circumstances look like. Because she didn't get the hotel because when she ended up, In the stable, if she was in the hotel, she wouldn't have seen the choir of angels in the sky the moment Jesus was born. She would have missed that. Because you would have been up in the hotel, nobody knows what's going on. You're in a stable and so you see all of heaven, the angels come out to celebrate the birth of your child. Because the gift that God's got for you is going to blow your mind when you see the fulfillment. It's can you deal with the disappointments along the way or the unspoken expectations that you have that God's not meeting or the way you should think it should have gone. Can you say, God, I trust you. I trust you that I'm going to look back one day and see this gift. I'm going to see the fulfillment of this word that you've spoken over me. Mary felt the full weight of her pregnancy at that point. And the way she got through it is because she held on to the word. The word that that angel gave her. That's how you're going to get through what's coming, what you've got to deal with, just the boring day-to-day stuff. The way you get through it is you hold on to the word of God. You bury yourself in the Bible, you read all you can so you strengthen yourself in who God is so that you see his character over and over and over again, of the God who always comes through, of the God of the last minutes, of the God of the second chance, of the God who's filled with mercy and graciousness, who wants abundance in your life, who always gets you through the valleys and over the hills. You learn and you fill yourself with that, so that when you're faced with the circumstance that makes you want to give up, that the enemy has thrown at you to distract you, you're able to say, that's not the God I know. That's not the God I know. But if he gave me the word, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to believe him because I'm going to trust that the gift he's given me will come to pass. And even if it doesn't look like a gift right now, I will one day see the gift that God's given me. Lastly, I want to talk to you about the magi or people like to say the the wise men. Anybody have like a little nativity scene in your, your, have the little nativity scenes? Well, I'm about to blow that up for you, so. <laughs> Hold on. Matthew chapter 2, and verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When they heard the king... They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So first of all... um, you study this, it it actually shows that it wasn't, people like to say that there were three wise men because of the number of gifts, but historically they say there was probably 12 wise wise men, three of them at least were kings, they were kings coming from different countries, when he was born they saw the star and they set out from basically Iraq to get to to Bethlehem. The trip would have taken about a year and a half to two years. By the time they got there, Jesus was not a baby or in the stable. As you just read, he was a young child. And they said when they came into the house, they saw the young child. He was approximately two years old. The other thing is, these People have this this concept of like, oh, they brought some, here's a little bag of gold, here's some myrrh, some frankincense, God, here you go. Mm -mm. These were kings and wise men. They rolled in with a posse. I don't know if you've you've ever seen anybody roll in, but this this king didn't come by himself on the donkey. He probably came in multiple chariots servants galore. He's going to be on the road for almost two years. I mean, how about that? Like, hey, I'll be back. I'm going to go check out this other king. We'll be gone for about two years, actually four, because we've got to come back. Like, seriously, think about it. All the food, all the gifts, everything that they had. When they came into town, you don't get to go and chat with Herod just because you rolled in with three little bags of goodies. Like, hey, we're coming to see the king who's here. Herod would be like, I don't care who these people are. They rolled in with the Rolls Royce of chariots, okay? Here comes the, the three kings and the 12 men and their whole gangster coming in with the gold, the myrrh, the frankincense, the tambourines, the circus clowns, whatever they've got. They're rolling in. Herod's like, get, get the castle, get, get everything ready. Get the castle ready. Do we have people? Make us look like we're something quick because look at all these kings rolling in. Come on, okay. They're like, mm, yes, sorry. Who have you come to see? That's how they got the attention of Herod. They didn't come to see, they came to see the king. That's why they showed up at the palace. Their gifts were also representing of more than just what we think. The gold represented his kingly status. It's what you would give to a king is gold. The frankincense represented his divinity, which you see all through scripture as well. And then myrrh is used in his burial... And that represents his humanity and what he would give up for us. With God, everything is deeper than what you think it is. Even his blessing is deeper than what you think it is. Even the blessing upon your life has more meaning than you see it as. When God blesses you, it's not just actually meant for you, yourself, and I. It's meant for those you can impact around you. God never just thinks of you. Every gift he gives you, every blessing he gives you, every idea he gives you is for you to impact people around you. Your life should be impacting those around you. Just your relationship with the Lord alone should impact other people's lives. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't bottle up all your goodness. Don't say, oh, I want to make just enough money so my family can have a nice house, nice car, nice boat, that's it. No, you should say, uh, God, bless me so we can have generational wealth for, for years to come, that we can impact the nation, that we can, we can move things, we can sway governments, we can buy businesses that have impact and influence for your kingdom. We need to buy some land. We need to own up some things, God. Stop looking at, oh, I just need enough for me, myself, and I. Be like, no, God's blessing, His gift upon you is never just for you. It's for everybody you're supposed to impact. It's for your neighbor. It's for your family. It's for your friends. Everybody should be so blessed because you are blessed. Everybody should be blessed because you know Jesus. That's how God works. God never just supplies the bare minimum. They said that the gifts they brought to Jesus, the frankincense and myrrh at that time, were almost more valuable than the gold. It would have totaled somewhere between half a million and a million dollars worth. The gifts they brought. This wasn't just for that moment. This was so that Jesus's life would be set up so his parents never had a worry. The money lost it into his ministry. Most people think it paid for much of the beginning of his ministry. When God gives you a vision, there will always be supernatural provision for his vision. Always. Supernatural provision for God's vision. Now that doesn't mean we sit back and wait for money to fall from the sky, not at all. You should save aggressively. You should spend wisely. And you should give generously. But over and above that, you should expect the overflow of God in your life because it needs to overflow to others. If you're constantly just looking at yourself and your need, how can God use you to touch the city, the nation, your neighbors, whatever it might be? You have to believe for the supernatural provision. Guys, we need a new building. We need a new building. Bad. There's going to have to be a few miracles that happen. Somebody with another church bigger than ours is going to need to move on to their bigger church and then give us their church. (laughs) Because we'd love to buy it, but that costs a lot of money. We have a half a million saved. If you look at the size of our church, we've been saving for a long time half a million in the bank for the for the building fund and some of you might be like wow that's a lot of money not when you're trying to buy a building (laughs) if they gave us their building that would just be enough to renovate it to what we need okay so we're saving the best we can we're being wise with our money we're constantly giving as a ministry out so we understand the principle so God can bless us we understand the principle but I need supernatural provision I need God to intervene for his vision So I take it before him, God, I'm believing for what seems like impossible. I'm believing for circumstances to line up that only you could make happen. Because I don't have it in my bank account. But I refuse to let the circumstances dictate what God has said about this ministry. So we believe for supernatural provision for his vision. And that's the same in your life. If God has called you to have a business, write a book, write a song, have a daycare, whatever it might be, then believe him for the supernatural provision for that. Take your eyes off yourself. You still have to work hard, save, do all the things. But you can believe for God to intervene and walk and run with you for his vision. It's just sometimes we look at what we've got in our hand, and we hold on to it so tightly, we don't see, we don't hang on to God's hand instead, what He's got for you, what He's got lined up. When we... Um, I'll close with the story. Years ago, we, we had a, a friend who they were... Um, he was a, a missionary, and they were going to leave to go to China uh, to be missionaries there, and he's little girl at the time. I don't know if she was maybe three maybe four years old and so he said to them look we can only take you know one one or two toys with us so we're going to do a garage sale and we're going to sell all your stuff and then I'll take you to the mall and you get to take one nice new toy with you okay so they had a little garage sale and they sold their their little stuff and at the end of the day she came up to her dad and she had eight one dollar bills and she couldn't count very high, but she, she could count to 10, right? So she knew, I've got eight here. And so her dad looked at her and he said, oh, that's, that's so good, baby. Here, daddy's going to do something better. And he hands her a $20 note. And she goes, no. And he's like, no, baby, give it, give it to me. Daddy's got this for you. No. And he's like, what, what is the problem? And she's like, no, I got more because she had eight notes in her hand. So eight notes is more than one note. Don't try and fool me, Dad. I don't know a lot, but I know eight is more than one. Don't try and fool me, Dad. Don't try and convince me to put this down, God. It looks pretty good to me, God. I don't know what you're telling me to put down, but I don't know. This looks pretty good. I know what I know, and I'm going to hold on to this because this looks pretty good. See, God never asks you to put something down unless he's got something better for you to pick up. What he's got in his hand is better than you could ever have in your hand. But it's going to take trusting him. Trust the gift that he's giving you. Trust the word. Trust the vision that he's given you. And hopefully at the end of this year, too, you can look back and see some of the things you've been through. And say, God, I see your hand. I see the gift. I see the gift, Lord, that you gave me even through the toughest times when I thought I was broken and couldn't get back up. I see the gift, God. I see that you walk closer to me than I've ever experienced in my life. I see the gift. Can you be grateful for the gift he's given you today? Stand with me. We're thankful for Jesus. This is a time where we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the gift he's given us. We're thankful for everything he's done in our lives. We're so grateful. Just close your eyes a moment. Just thank the Lord in your heart. Just thank him for, just thank him for your salvation. Look back at your life for a moment and, and thank Him. Turn your eyes on what you thought was a problem or a disappointment or a tragedy. And if you can't see the gift in it, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Ask Him to reveal it to you. Every single person has a gift within them. God didn't leave anybody without a gift or a talent. Everybody has it. It You might have hidden it. (laughs) You might not want to acknowledge it, but God's put it in you. So it's time to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me. Help me to share my gift with the world. Help me to see how I'm supposed to Bless my neighbor, help my friend, help my family. This year, God, I want it to be all about you. If you've never turned your life over to Jesus 100% and said, God, it's all you. I don't want to do this anymore by myself. I want to receive Jesus as my gift that you gave to me so I could have eternal life with you. If you've never done that, I want you to just raise your hand wherever you are. We're going to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. If I can have my ministry team come forward, please. If we could have the lights halfway up, please. This is a bit too dark. If you want to, um, if you need prayer for healing, for uh, receive the baptism in the holy spirit if you just need somebody to stand with you in agreement for whatever you're going through then we've got our ministry team down front they want to pray with you and stand with you during this time and if you want to talk more about salvation or anything that we've we've talked about then come down and and talk with them about that sometimes you just need somebody to to give you some more information so come down and and see them as well during uh, as we dismiss the service But this is such a special time. Take this week. Take this week. Thank you, guys. We need the. Are they going? Okay. It's still so dark. It's not. Can't see anybody. (laughs) I'm really trying to say goodbye here, but it's like. Take this week, guys, and reflect don't let the time go by sometimes reflection is hard sometimes we don't want to do it we'd rather just bury it and move on but you're not going to be a healthy whole person if you do that God wants to walk through every season with you he wants to walk through every emotion that you're going with you so that you can be healed and walk through it strong and that doesn't mean faking your way through it because he can't help you where you fake to be You have to be honest about where you are but then let him show you what he's got for you and the gift he's got for you because trust me next year is going to blow your mind it's going to be so good amen amen have a great week we'll see you for our big christmas service next sunday